A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You have all made it to the dance, because believe me, this is the dance. Oh, this is quite timely, isn't it? The first ever ECW pay-per-view is an absolute car wreck. It's also brilliant, mainly because of one Terry Funk. At 53 years old, he decided to show the world that age means nothing and he still could go. Now, don't get me wrong, he is totally insane in this event, but that just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy in your tum-tum. You can't help but love him. Even on the pre-show, he cuts this promo from his father's grave, of all things, saying that he is going to win the ECW title. And I'm not even going to try and recount it here because I could not do it justice. He just has a way about him and you totally believe. And also, you just want to be his best friend. The Funkster was the absolute best and did bleed a lot. Going back to the pay-per-view itself is an absolute car wreck, especially when it comes to the production. A lot of people speak on a microphone during this event and I could barely hear them. It was a talk of the town too because even 25 years later, wrestling fans haven't changed. And if you even have one faux pas when it comes to the presentation, they will take the finger of Blaine and go, ha ha, this is terrible. We also do need to talk about Joey Styles though, who of course does this entire show by himself. Now I admit I'm more of a fan of a two-person booth, but honestly, if you were going to try and find somebody who was able to do this and able to do it at a certain level, well, they stumbled across gold with Joey Styles. I mean, he knows the characters, he knows the stories, he understands how to get everybody over. And even if this was the first ECW show anybody had ever seen, and even if they were watching it right now, I think one of their big takeaways would have been, huh, that Joe is pretty good. You also get 1,250 fans in the Hammerstein Ballroom, which I get doesn't sound like a big deal right now. But when you were competing with the WWF and WCW that were just so far above, the fact that Extreme Championship Wrestling was on pay-per-view and the fact that they could draw over a thousand people, well, it raised a lot of eyebrows. I mean, why did you think Vince McMahon wanted to work with them? Otherwise, though, over in the World Wrestling Federation, management was still trying to tell people, no, look, we are against bleeding even though Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart had been a lot at WrestleMania 13. See, justice kept vanishing, which would become a thing. And there are also rumors that the WWF were interested in the Disco Inferno. Can you imagine if he had jumped ship in 1997? We're also knee-deep in the Hulk Hogan Lex Luger stuff over in World Championship Wrestling, and you could just feel that the industry was hotting up here. And who swooped in to take advantage? None other than ECW. So yes, at the Hammerstein Ballroom, with around about 30,000 buys on pay-per-view, which again make, make you go, that doesn't sound very good, but trust me, it was incredible due to the time. Let's retro up those downs for barely legal 1997, ECW's first pay-per-view.
I don't know what I'm looking at. So the start of Barely Legal is really funny because Joey Styles is in the ring and a microphone, but you can't hear <laughs> what he's saying. And I totally love this. This is what I want when it comes to ECW. <laughs> Just things going wrong and things kind of not working out. And then somebody from nowhere getting thrown through a table. It then kind of becomes the opening promo of Monday Night Raw because the Dudleys interrupt. This is when you start to realize that ECW would turn off. All right, we'll compromise. When it came to being on pay-per-view, because Devon on his here, and he had recently turned heel, and the crowd were going, F you, Devon. And he went, ah, oh, you can all go to hell. Trust me, he doesn't usually say hell. This also set the hardcore fans nuts. They were like, oh, promotion is headed in the right direction. Trust me, as you are about to see from this show, it is totally not. And my first match was for the tag titles. It was the Eliminators versus the Dudleys. That is also Perry Saturn and Kronos. This is so funny because Kenny Paul Heyman had told everybody, listen, we need to get the Eliminators over as one of the best tag teams in the world. So for around about 12 minutes, all you hear is, oh man, these Eliminators, they're the best tag team in the world. Oh, do you want to talk about the best tag team in the world? Let me introduce you to the Eliminators. By the end of it, I was like, would you shut up? And with all that said, there was a reason for this. Because once again, given the time period, and I am going to say that a lot, these two just flew around the place. And it blew people's brains. My brain Devon also knew this. The whole role was to get up and then go down again. Get up and go down again. But actually, it kind of goes alright at some point because Bubba Ray actually got injured. I mean, he breaks his ankle that would take him out for a while. And you know how like everyone now goes, oh, it's a spot fest. This is a spot fest because when you watch it, in between the moves, nobody knows what to do. I don't understand it. They clearly just said, well, we need to do this, 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 and nobody had kind of threaded it together. So at some point. People are just walking around. It's a little bit awkward. From nowhere, though, somebody would bust out a Hurricane Rana, so you'd be on the floor again, because I'm going to do it. Back in 1997, that was like saying hello to an alien. The Eliminators also eliminate sign guys. I suppose they do live up to their name. And by the time they're doing double splashes and Kronos does a 450, your brain doesn't know what to make of it. Because I tell you this, Kronos ain't no small man. So the whole thing is basically like a big car crash, so I'm sure Darby Allen had watched this, and the Eliminators win when they do that high cross thing, when they smack Bubba Ray Dudley high, and then also low. It doesn't really actually come across like a finish compared to other things they have done, but they get the one, two, three, and everybody goes, yeah. You also then get Joel Gertner, the ring announcer, getting in the ring, going, well, nobody cares about you because we love the Dudleys, and I believe they did win on points. Because yes, Paul Heyman had decided to turn his ring announcer heel. I suppose it does work because the Eliminators then murk him. I'm gonna give it an up. <laughs> I tell ya, it's totally off the rail. We get this video for the Sandman, and I tell you, it is just highlights of him smacking himself in the head. In case you're interested, he wasn't faking it. He just used to smack himself in the head. Chris Candido also gets in the ring here because he has been injured, so that's quite the 180. And he also says, man, I'd love to talk about my girl. He was referencing Sonny, but I cannot do this because Vince McMahon won't give me permission. Now, we'll have to do this on another video. We don't have time today. But if you do not know about the relationship between those two, well, it is super duper sad panda. I was just so happy, though, because we did have to have a substitute taking on RVD in our next match. And it was Lance Storm. And as I have said on many episodes of Retro Ups and Downs, Lance Storm is so underrated. And while here, he's not the performer he would become. You can still tell that he's so good. But actually, that's true to Rob Van Dam as well. He was climbing the ladder, ironically, too. The fans also have decided that RVD is going to WCW. So they just boo the shit out of him. Now, there is a story here. He had met with Eric Bischoff. That's because he was never meant to be on the barely legal pay-per-view. He felt slighted and that he was never going to get a push. 
So yeah, he went to talk to Mr. Bischoff, which is when Candida got injured, and he did get on the show, and that's when Paul Heyman decided to incorporate this on the storyline, and it turned Rob Van Dam into a main eventer. I gotta go sit down. Well, some of the old plant he does early on as well was the talk of the town, because here we go again. Nobody was doing this stuff in 1997. Well, especially not in American-style wrestling. He also does a moonsault off Barry Barricade, although I suppose given the time frame, it would have been his dad, Gary the Guardrail. And then he just hurls a chair into Lance's face. Now this move would happen a lot on Barely Legal, and every single time, I think I lost a year off my life this is so damn violent. Storm eventually gets this chair and he smacks Rob as well, which is when he does something very interesting. He follows up with two shots that from my vantage point were deliberately a little bit weak. Now you can't do this in the ECW arena, so they start jeering him. But given that it is Lance Storm, I'm not entirely sure he didn't do this on purpose because he knows, man, he knows. The Madhouse then continues because Rob Van Dam slips. So everybody chants, <laughs> you flubbed up because you can't get away with anything here. But the absolute coolest part is that he wins with the Van Daminator. He doesn't have the five-star frog splash yet. And you could never get away with that in 2023. But don't forget, this is taking a chair and blipping it into somebody's skull. Why wouldn't that get the three? It also ties into what ECW had planned, because they gave Rob Van Dam a microphone. And he says, yeah, maybe I did go talk to some other people. But that's because I'm not getting my due. Then in a few weeks, he would become Mr. Monday Night. And he's involved in a massive angle later. So in that sense, this show has even more importance, giving it up. I mean, it's not a great match, but it's pretty good. When ECW proved they were ahead of the game, part 78. Look at this. It was the great Sasaki, Grand Hamada, and Masato Yakashiji taking on Taika Mishinoku, Terry Boy, and none other than the one, the only, Dick Togo. Now, of course, WCW was doing similar things with the Luchadors, but the way that Heyman presented these guys just made you go, oh, wow, I've never seen grappling like this before. I mean, it really was ahead of its time in America. It also went so much deeper because these were some dudes that you could only hear about if you did read the wrestling magazines and take this and stick it up your pipe. There's so many parts to it that will blow your brain, even when it comes down to the name because the Japanese contingent had been walking around in the East going, oh man, with a Japanese version of the BWO or using a different moniker, which was Kai and Tai. If you're wondering where that came from, now you know. It's also one of those matches where I just have to give you a shrug emoji because they just go move, 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 strike, 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 flippy dippy doo da, up, down, left, right. I mean, they never stop. While there are a few little fumbles here, mostly it's incredibly smooth. The Asai moonsault in particular was something everyone was like, wait a minute, what the hell did I just see? Because nobody was doing moonsaults to the outside, as was this swinging DDT Frankensteiner combo. I mean, once again, if somebody wants to go back and watch this and do it tomorrow on a show, everybody go, wow. A huge part of this as well was about Mishinoku, who of course would head to the WWF soon. And do you know how he almost has this match won here with the Mishinoku driver? Because I'm an idiot. It took me a long while before I was like, oh, wait. that's the move that he came up with. And if the pin hadn't have been broken up, he would have got the one, two, three. Once again, in 2023, it's just a transition. People get mad about this when it comes to the Canadian Destroyer and the DDT. Let's just move with the times, people. It's going to be okay. Then he then does walk into the Tiger Suplex with a bridge, and he does lose. That would actually probably piss a lot of people off if you did do it now. But the fans here are so grateful for what they have seen, they give them a big round of applause. It's also important because it does prove that ECW isn't just a blood fest. I mean, 95% of it is, but they were also smashing out stuff like it. I really had a good time. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When I laughed out loud. And why? Because we cut to the back. Stevie Richards is there. And he's just like, man, I'm a massive loser. I'm a bad person. I never felt bad, though, because this is actually really good, because it ties into the fact that he's always been bullied. He never got picked at squats when he was at school. But now he is going to change all of that and be a super-duper success. Don't forget, if you are a bully, knock that on the head today, you're probably ruining someone's life. When we get the most ECW match ever. This is Shane Douglas versus Pitbull number two for the TV title. And while this isn't Shane's most impressive showing, it is so weird to me that he never made it in WCW or WWE because he had the tools. But in the WWF, he was a teacher. And in World Championship Wrestling, they ran out of so many ideas, they just went and made him a manager. And he vanished from TV. The franchise also comes out with the worst-looking security you've ever seen. And the reason he does do this is because there is going to be an angle later. But also, he had broken the neck of Pitbull number one, so they were there as protection. Like, that doesn't make any sense. He's also got Francine with him, so given all the players, I thought this would be all right. But to tell you the truth, well, it wasn't. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, and Shane Douglas cuts a promo beforehand saying, man, all the other promotions are in cartoon land. Man, I'd love to be in cartoon land. But he also starts going on about necks. I was like, man, Roderick Strong would be super happy. Neck health awareness going down in 97. For whatever reason, though, the crowd just doesn't care. Even when Douglas is busting out pile drivers like he doesn't know any moves, the fans instead decide to chant at Francine, you've got herpes. I thought about this and I was like, no, I don't need this in my life. Shane going through a table wakes them up a little bit when all of a sudden Pitbull number one attacks from the crowd going, ah, oh, you hurt my neck. But that's why the security is here. They drag him away. The audience are then like, we want blood, we want blood. When Shane decides, well, I'm not going to give you blood. And instead, I'm just going to hit Pitbull in the dick over and over and over again. Surprise, surprise, it doesn't work. Pitt then tries to mount this comeback. And look, I totally get this. I totally understand. Wrestling is really hard. But he's so blown up and he's so out of oxygen, he can't do it. I, mean, I don't mean to laugh at it, but it is funny. Like you can kind of see him struggling. I kind of think this falls apart. Of course, Francine then casts distraction and Shane almost wins with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, surprise roll-up. But he only gets a one 2 ooh. When he hits an over-the-top belly-to-belly suplex and gets the three. Well, you probably should have won with a roll-up. Then it goes totally off the rails because somebody in a mask comes out wearing Rick Rude's robe. But it's not Rick Rude. But he still kisses Francine, who for some reason passes out. Then one of the security guards gets in the ring. 
He reveals himself <laughs> to be Rick Rude, when the other guy, who you're meant to think is Rick Rude, he takes his mask off, that's his partner Brian Lee, and they all beat up Shane Douglas. I was just like this. What's going on? So, of course, they leave Shane laying, and I did enjoy this because it's Rick Rude, and Rick Rude, that's all you need to know. But even after this heated angle, Rick Rude is just wiggling his hips. I was on the floor. It really does feel like, though, everybody has overcooked the soup with this one. You don't need to overcook the soup. Just heat it up and enjoy it. So, yeah, goes way too long down. Raven is cutting a promo after this in the stairwell, which he did enjoy doing, saying, nobody will beat me for the ECW World Championship. Once again, here's another guy that should have gone higher than he did do. I mean, he had a pretty good career, but he just saw wrestling in a very unique way. Maybe that was the problem. We also cut to Taz, who does the same thing, but he's all like, man, I have choked everybody out, so I'm going to choke you out, Sabu, and then maybe I'll choke out somebody else. I was like, you could do that. I mean, we've got to do something. It also made sense to drop this here because it was time for Sabu versus Taz. And look, it's hard to kind of convey this in 2023. But this had basically been building for two years. And they had done such a good job. People, even ECW fans, were like, yeah, they actually hate each other. Given how they were talking about each other at the time, maybe they did. It's also odd carnage as well because Sabu has a broken nose in around about three seconds. And there's two reports to this. One, they were just laying it in to make it look intense. Or two, he did it on purpose to get more of an impact. Given that it is Sabu, he probably did. He also does his big springboard off a chair and just lands into as many bodies as possible. I understand how ECW didn't get sued. I mean, he hits everyone. We also get more chair throwing, which is damn violent, but nothing is as bad as when Taz gets Sabu and he suplexes him over Gary the guardrail and Sabu just lands on the floor and you hear this which is the thud of his body hitting concrete. He also gets thrown through a table and all this happens in about five minutes. And yes, as I'm sure you know, Bill Alfonso was Taz's manager here. And he has the whistle gimmick. I mean, every five seconds he goes, boop, boop. And I honestly, if I wasn't doing this retro ups and downs, I would have turned it off. It is not good heat. And never bring the whistle gimmick back. It's as bad as boy mode. And I hate that song. They're smacking each other so hard, Taz then puts his shoulder out. And this was a legit injury. When we get to the suplex, I'm going to play a little trivia game with you here. One, did they both make sure each other landed safely on their backs? Or two, did they just drop each other right on their heads? It's number two. Means I was just a wiggling and a jiggling because I can never handle this when Sabu does the ultimate insult and he locks in the Taz mission on Taz. You can't do that because it is Taz. He gets out, he suplexes Sabu, and yes, he lands right on the skull. It also means he's able to catch Sabu in the choke, and in a truly surprising revelation, he actually submits. Fans can't stand this. Sabu doesn't tap out. He doesn't tap out, but he does give up. So they start booing as they do when Taz is like, oh, we've had such a good war. Sabu's like, oh, we did, and they hug. You can't hug in the ECW arena. Everybody is so damn mad. There's even more shenanigans because RVD then turns up, as mentioned earlier. He whacks Taz from behind, who totally no-sells it. But this is when Sabu is like, ha ha, I was only kidding. And these two just whoop his ass. Something that happens between Sabu, Taz, and a table, but you don't see it because the camera misses it, when Sabu is choking Taz, when Bill Alfonso gets in the ring and he starts to undress. Like, why? Why are you taking your clothes off? As it turns out, there's another twist because he has gone heel and he is wearing a Sabu shirt. It's so hard to keep up with. This is all because apparently he had a bet on Sabu winning the match. Now he's mad at Taz. 
then why would he have been wearing the Sabu t-shirt to begin with? You know, I guess Sabu could have won. And he would be like, well, I don't know. But look, even though it goes totally insane, by the end of it, it's got incredible intensity. The fans truly do believe, which means you can believe too. I'm giving it now. Tommy Dreamer and Beulah then come out to cut some commentary. And Tommy is so young here, it looks like he's just been born. It means we're about to get a number one contender for the world title match. Because it is Stevie Richards versus the Sandman versus Terry Funk. I suppose we have to talk about the Sandman's entrance here. Because he does just whack himself in the head until he starts to bleed. And he is definitely tanked up. That's right, he's drinking a lot of beer and he's clearly drunk. I don't know what else to tell you. Let's keep it simple though, because this is all about Terry Funk. Because in a world where so-called old timers would often say, man, this new school of wrestling is absolutely crap. He adapted, he embraced it, and he just tried to involve himself in it. That is why he is one of the best ever. But here is our carnage because ladders are introduced almost instantly, but Funk doesn't care. So he does a moonsault off one when he also puts one on his neck and he does the aeroplane spin. And today, that whole scene has become pretty damn famous. I also freak the flub out because at one point they do a seesaw spot and the ladder just goes flying out into the crowd. So once again, I'm like, how has nobody sued ECW? It's genuinely dangerous. So they get garbage cans, cookie sheets, and barbed wire. And at one point, Funk is whipping the Sandman with the barbed wire. But apparently he doesn't care because the man of Sand then takes it. He wraps himself up in it and he gives Terry a crossbody. He stared off into the distance and I thought to myself, we are not in Toto anymore, Kansas. Funk is then bleeding like nobody's business. I was like, damn it, he's 50 years old. When the Sandman... Gives him the worst leg drop I've ever seen. I don't mean to laugh, but I did laugh out loud. He doesn't get it right at all. Actually made me like it more. Funk then does get a garbage can though and just whacks on the Sandman and whacks on the Sandman before he hits the moonsault. He gets the one, two, three. And look, I am going to have to throw an up in there because Raven appears from nowhere and all of a sudden you've got the main event. That's right. ECW doesn't play around. If you get a number one contender, we're doing that match right now. It really does go to show how much meaning this has though because it cannot go more than 10 minutes. Because people are desperate for Funk to win, especially because he's already been through a war, well, the emotion is off the chart. You also have doctors begging Terry, don't do this, don't do this. As Tommy's on commentary saying, oh man, I really want to interfere, but I promised my friend I wouldn't. What a damn baby face. Reggie Bennett is then here. I was like, who the fluff is Reggie Bennett? As he tries to powerbomb Terry Funk, but he's not able to do it. So that goes awry. When all of a sudden, Big Dick Dudley is here too. And we're told he's just got out of jail. Like, I can't. I can't keep up with this. What do you mean he's been in jail? It also leads to Tommy and Dick getting into it, which is quite the sentence. And Dreamer just pushes him off this kind of high platform through a bunch of tables so everybody loses it. When we're back in the ring, and yet Raven 2 is just throwing Terry Funk through a table. No wonder people now go, we want tables. It's all ECW's fault. Dreamer then decides he can't handle it anymore, and he goes after Raven, and he gives him the DDT. So Funk pins him, he gets a one 2 ooh, but the bell still rings, so nobody has no idea what's going on. When Funk decides to hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, and he does get the three. Now, look, if it was anybody else, this would get booed out of the place, but given that Terry Funk had just become the ECW champion, everybody loses it. So did I. It also means the show goes off air with just a totally battered and bleeding funk holding up the championship. And it's just so lovely, especially given that he did sadly pass away a few weeks ago. So it absolutely gets it up. But if you are planning to watch this today, just be prepared. It's a bit like I booked it. 
there's no way I could book a wrestling show. And I'm gonna give this show overall and up as well because it's just such a nostalgia trip and just because I love Terry Funk. And of course, please do go in the comments below and let me know what you think about Barely Legal 97. I'm sure some people have such terrific memories they can see it do no wrong, but it does. It really, really does. Also, head over to whatculture.com where you can keep up to date with all the latest wrestling news and follow us on social media. But otherwise, I am Simon from What Culture. We shall do another Retro Ups and Downs in two weeks. So make sure you send in your suggestions. Take care. Have a lovely day. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.